Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Cordimus. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard round the world. I'm Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry. I'm John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boy, David Crockett. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread on America. Your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? Alright. It is Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. The first day of winter. And it feels like winter. I mean, Florida's not so bad right now. But it's about to get bad. I'm sure wherever you guys are at, it's it's worse. So I don't want to sit here and, and rub it in your face. Because um, we're going to get ours here in a little bit ourselves. So um, I hope you are enjoying the, uh, the uh, Clinton crime family situation here we're doing. This is part two of the MENA cocaine connection. The Clinton crime uh, family syndicate, I think I call it. Yeah, crime syndicate. That sounds more menacing. But, um, so, uh, before we get into part two, I want to um, make sure to remind you guys about our social media profiles out there. Please, um, I'm turning on the wrong button. Why isn't this going down? (laughs) Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. At uh, Don't Tread on America, and on the uh, Twitter machine there at DTom underscore seventeen seventy five. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's PCGC underscore seventeen seventy five. And uh, on all of those pr- uh, platforms, you can message us, you can contact us, you can call us stupid, you can call us awesome, uh, preferably the awesome part. Um, if you have any questions, concerns, comments. Uh, any kind of topics you want us to cover, please do so there. Uh, if you want to, if you want to uh, remain or be somewhat anonymous to the public, you can reach out to us on our um, website at don'ttreadonamerica.com and you can send a message through that. Also, guys, another thing, uh, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, uh, we're pretty much heard wherever, 
So you obviously know which podcast app you're listening to us on. Um, please share this with your friends. While you're listening to this right now, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And uh, check out our archive. I talked about this the other day. Um, <clears throat> I think this is show 214. I don't know. We've done quite a few. Uh, I try to put topics for the... I don't put show 1, show 2, show 3. I did initially because, you know, we were stupid and we didn't really know what we were doing in the podcast game. So um, there are a few that are labeled as such, but the majority of the shows are labeled as a heading as to what we're going to talk about. And then in the show notes, there's also uh, a brief description of what we're talking about. And uh, so, you know, look through the catalog, see what interests you. Um, I will admit to you that a lot of it, especially the earlier parts of the show, the earlier days, were very rough around the edges. Sound quality wasn't the best. Uh, topics, I think, were on point, but there was days where Chris sounded like he was outside, or I sounded like I was outside, or I was. We had a string with two cans hooked up, and but you know we figured it out. But nonetheless, our topics I thought were pretty much spot on. Um, so check them out. And then tell your friends, guys. Um, obviously, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on uh, is popular enough. Um, we're everywhere. The only thing we're not on is Pandora, for whatever reason, whatever. So um, check us out. Share this with your friends. And like I said, subscribe to the show. If the app you're listening to this on is able to, you're able to do a rating, uh, preferably a five-star if you would, please. Thank you very much. And uh, let's get on with the show. Before we get too far into it, I want to touch on our other sponsor, and that's Christian Lawson Watches. Check them out at christianlawson.com. Use promo code DTOM at the checkout, and uh, you'll get 30% off your purchase price. Check them out at christianlawson.com. Guys, uh, Christmas, we're obviously too late um, to order anything, but... Thanks, uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So uh, check them out. Husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend. You know, if you want to get your son or daughter a graduation present, uh, that's not too far down the road either if you have kids that are seniors in high school or college. So uh, check them out, christianlawson.com. Use promo code DTOM at the checkout. All right. So basically, where we left off the other day was um, we were getting into the Mena Arkansas um, aspect of the whole situation. And um, and I did touch on the Rose Law Firm of which um, Hillary Clinton and Chelsea's dad, Webster Hubble, were senior partners. Uh, and they negotiated contracts for the CIA in Mena, Arkansas, helped set up numerous fraudulent CIA fronts for cocaine and weapons transport. The very structure of Arkansas state government was altered to accommodate the enterprise. The Clinton-created Arkansas Development and Finance Authority engaged in money laundering on a mass scale, and that's pretty much where we left off. So as we delve into the situation, the operation was, uh, was a network of connected government agencies subsidiaries and shell companies and corporations can be seen um, so there there's a diagram and I guess I could actually put this on the um, on the website I guess I put it on Facebook 
And then also I could put this on the show notes, maybe. If not, go to our Facebook page, Don't Tread on America. I'll put it on there. But um, essentially what this is, this was from uh, whistleblower Stu, um, Stu Webb. And um, now it doesn't want to open for whatever reason, conveniently enough. Uh, here it is. <laughs> let, me, let me blow it up. So I, without reading it all, because it's, it's a flow chart. It's not even a flow chart. It's a connect the dots type uh, situation. But if you look in the center, you have Bush crime family. And then that kind of branches out to different situations. Um, but if you come down to the uh, Arkansas connection portion of this, that's where we delve into the Clinton aspect of things. It drops into the law, uh, Rose Law for, uh, Rose Law Firm, and then drops into Hillary Clinton, Webster Hubble, William Kennedy, Vince Foster, which um, drops into uh, Whitewater, drops into Twin City Banks, at Little Rock, Beach Federal Bank. Um, Madison Savings and Loan. So essentially what the Clintons did is they set up a lot of um, shell companies and they had local banks. They weren't like national banks. It wasn't like Bank of America or something like that where they used those banks to launder their money. And this was via the, um, the cocaine selling and the gun running and whatnot that they did with the, with the Contras in, in, uh, in Central America, and uh, you you just can't sell drugs and 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 guns and buy uh, drugs and uh, have a slew of cash and not have any way to to uh, discuss where it came from. Um, so that's where these banks came into play, and then they used them to launder the the money, so it was clean, so to speak. Now, this is a quote from a congressional testimony of IRS agent William Duncan, who spent several years investigating drug-related activities in Arkansas under the Clintons and their operatives. Now, the interesting thing is, is and this is how far-reaching and crazy this sounds, it's not, it's true. It, it's, this, this is stuff that really happened. Like I said, they made a movie out of this, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. But... Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I think of drug running, uh, arms trading, um, those types of things, CIA operatives and whatever, such and so on and so forth, Arkansas is probably one of the last states that comes to mind. And I would also say that's the genius behind all this. Because when you think of those things, you think of, you know, Miami, you think of LA, maybe New Orleans. Uh, New York, you know, you think of big cities, port cities, not Mena, Arkansas, you know, <laughs> but I think the key here, and, and you'll, once I start naming some more names in this, in this breakdown, you'll understand the structure of government as we know it today and how this Obviously, it all links back to George H.W. Bush, but to understand how much of a, a taskmaster, a puppeteer, whatever you want to call him, that he was, and it was kind of like, you do this for me, and 
great rewards will come. Now, I'll say this in the sense that I, I wouldn't be willing to bet that this was not Bill and Hillary's idea. They didn't say, hey, hey, Hillary, let's go ahead and start running drugs and guns. We'll start doing that. We got the small little airport up in Meta. We'll go ahead and do it. Guarantee it wasn't their idea. Now, I'm not saying that Bill's a dumb guy. He obviously was a Rhodes Scholar, Oxford grad, Harvard, Yale. But beings that he went to those schools had plenty of certain connections, especially the Yale aspect of things. Um, but Hillary is a very smart and cunning person, okay? Equally to task, went to Yale. The, but was this necessarily their grand scheme? I don't think so. But I think they were willing to go along and help by uh, making connections with local banks and, and so on and so forth because the grand prize was Bill becoming president. And I would say a second prize was Hillary becoming president. But somehow or another, those things just didn't quite work out. The difference between, say, a Bush, and, and I don't even want to say Bush is, obviously his hands aren't clean in any situation. He's obviously killed his share of people or had his share of people killed. The Clintons don't even worry about another way. You're either on their team or you're dead, period. It seems to be, and we'll, we'll delve more into that here too. But uh, William Duncan, his testimony, the, the Mena Arkansas Airport was an important hub, uh, hub waypoint for transshipment of drugs, weapons, the evidence details a bizarre mixture of drug smuggling, gun running, money laundering, and covert operations by Barry Seal, his associates, and both employees and contract oper uh, operatives of the United States Intelligence Services. The testimony reveals a scheme whereby massive, massive amounts of cocaine were smuggled into the state of Arkansas. Now, I said earlier on, on the show the other day, why would you be smuggling tons of cocaine into Arkansas. Obviously, it really has nothing to do with Arkansas. The reason I said that Arkansas, I mean, no offense to anyone that lives in Arkansas, but you know, you're, you're a small state. Your largest city, I'm thinking, is probably Little Rock. And how big is it? Who pays attention to Arkansas other than the people that probably live there? It was easy way to transport stuff in, transport stuff out without anybody really noticing. So they were flying jetliners in there. It was all prop planes. Um, but why are you trans? Why would the government, or I say the government, why would the CIA would? Why would the intelligence services of this country be transporting in cocaine? What What's the point? Well, I discussed that the other day. One would say that the the crack epidemic that started in the early '80s was started by the CIA. And, and it could even flash back, and I talked about this in the Bush crime family series when I talked about eugenics. One of the steps of eugenics was to, to have, quote-unquote, these people kill themselves off, you know, drugs. Why, do, why is it that you go into, you know, a black neighborhood and just about every corner there's a drugstore, or not a drugstore, there's a, there's a liquor store. There's, there, there's things in certain parts of your neighborhood, your town that you live in. If you live in like a moderate town, city, not even like a big city, but just a moderate city, and you know what I'm talking about when I say there's particular parts of town. When you go through those parts of town, 
it's different. But why is it different? The people aren't different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So why is there these liquor stores everywhere and pawn shops everywhere? It's like you're you're enabling these people to be something or not something. And then you bring drugs into that same situation and you enrich and you enrich certain members of your own community. So because it, it's not like you had white guys in the in the in the hood, so to speak, dealing drugs. Right. You had gangbangers. You had, you know, other black uh, people of your neighborhood doing this to your own people. They got rich, but it was a it was a ultimate scheme to. To get rid of a race, essentially. So um, far from staying background, Clinton liked direct involvement. CIA, CIA asset and Air Force veteran Terry Reid described his experience in compromise, Clinton, Bush, and the CIA. Reid trained contra pilots at the Mena and Nella airports in Arkansas and worked with Barry Seal, according to Mike Rupert in Crossing the Rubicon. Reid's chief threat to the CIA and the American political establishment was that he could connect the Clintons and the CIA, Oliver North, Bill Casey, and the drug running through the Mena, Arkansas, Inter-Mountain Airport, all into one package. In his book, Reed describes a meeting held in an ammunition bunker outside of Little Rock, Arkansas, attended by Bill Clinton, CIA operative Bush, and Bush associate Felix Rodriguez, and Clinton security chief Raymond Young. Now, we know Clinton's famous for these, these little meetings in obscure places. Look what happened during the election 2016. He had a runway meeting with uh, Loretta Lynch, right? We don't know what that was about, but we kind of know what it was about. I think it was about the emails and stuff. Iran-Contra's whistleblowers and investigators, many of whom are mentioned above, have either been threatened, discredited, kidnapped, jailed, and in some cases, such as Barry Seal, murdered. And that's where your Clinton body count comes into play. Like, go through that list of names. There's a lot of those people that were involved in these situations, whether it was the Mena thing or Whitewater, who are dead now. Now, some of them died of, you know, supposedly died of natural causes. But, you know, like McDougal was in jail. He was in prison. He suspected his wife was having an affair with Bill Clinton. Couldn't obviously prove it. But him and his wife went down for the Whitewater scheme, and then he died in prison. Now, supposedly from natural causes, whatever. But then you have Vince Foster allegedly hanging himself and shooting himself at the same time. Um, Barry Seal. So the movie, let me see if I, I thought I, I think I have it pulled up. Uh, for some reason, this is saying I have no internet. I do have internet. So, uh, what was the name of the movie? It was called American Made. Okay? So, and this movie came out a, a while back. Um, and the movie starred uh, Tom Cruise. He played Barry Seal. And, um, essentially, in the movie, I've never actually seen the movie, but he was, you know, Barry Seal former airline pilot who embarked on wildly successful co cocaine smuggling operation between Columbia and a tiny airstrip in Mena, Arkansas in the 80s. 
Seal's exploits brought him into close contact with infamous figures like the Medellin cartel kingpins Pablo Escobar, George Ocha, and Panama director Manuel Noriega. And he was abetted in the film argues by the CIA and DEA. So, like I said, it's probably a movie I would like to see. I've never seen it, but it'd be interesting to see how Hollywood spins it because it says in this here, the most uh, eyebrow-raising moments in America Made, however, came when Seal crossed paths with two former major historical figures, Bill Clinton and George W. Bush. But it doesn't specify how that how that encounter played out or if they just happened to be the presidents or whatever at the time. But anyway, um, the Clintons have gone to great lengths, you know, i.e. the Clinton body count. I know I refer to that and it's a Wikipedia thing and you could say, ha, ha, ha. If you get a chance, go through it. But, you know, with the likes of uh, Vince Foster, Barry Seal, so on and so forth, to main their to maintain their cover up of their CIA Arkansas operation, and George H. W. Bush famously and laughably insisted that he was "quote unquote" out of the loop. This, even as the passage of time, increasingly available evidence and the damning testimonies of his former operative oper- <laughs> operatives have amply placed him as Iran Contra's boss. In the words of former CIA agent Philip Agee, Bush, Bush was up to his neck in illegal drug running on behalf of the Contras. Now, if you recall, the Iran-Contra situation was in the mid-80s, okay? And this, you know, you had Oliver North. You remember the testimonies. You probably remember uh, Reagan testi- testifying. And I would say of, of all the people involved, Reagan had no clue. All this shit was being ran by Bush, okay? Bush, you don't really, like I've said this before, you don't really think of him like this. That's how good he was at it. But he was so deep state, he ran that Reagan White House. Um, I told you about a story during the Bush Clinton, or I'm sorry, during the uh, Bush crime family series where uh, the powers that be wanted him to be um, Nixon's vice president. And Nixon was like, hell no. He already killed one guy, and he was talking about uh, JFK. This guy wants to be president so bad, he's going to kill me. You know? And, you know, he had his, what was it, Agnew was his vice president. But then what happened a few years after that? Whitewater. Whitewater. <laughs> Watergate. Right? So... He might have not have put a bullet in Nixon, but he put a put a bullet in his career, right? Prior to Nixon being president, he was very powerful figure, vice president. You know, he was very well known politically, and then all of a sudden, okay. So Bush was a very powerful person. He was able to manipulate the system. He ran. Iran Contra. He ran the drug smuggling. And like I said just a few minutes ago, the whole drug thing had nothing to do with anything more than getting crack into the inner cities, period. Running the guns to the Contras was about making the money. They run the they run the guns through uh, 
Nicaragua and the in Central America for the drugs, for the cash. The the guns go to Iran. It was a big it was a big circle jerk, so to speak. And we wonder why certain factions like ISIS and the Taliban and these things uh, exist. And we and we'll wonder why. And I, and this is a, this is my future guess. We'll wonder why in the future why the Azov Battalion in Ukraine is so powerful. We'll wonder why that is. When I told you the other day that we signed a bill, Congress signed a bill back 10 years ago that we would no longer sell guns, weaponry of any kind to the Ukraine, especially to the Azov Battalion. But here we are. And like I said, we'll wonder why in the future, why the Azov Battalion is the terrorist group that it ends up being. Guarantee you. Anyway, so all attempts to prosecute were largely unsuccessful, blocked, stalled, or given limited hangout treatment. As written by Mike Rupert, one of the many Iran-Contra whistleblowers in crossing the Rubicon. Iran-Contra was effectively managed by Lee Hamilton in the House of Representatives and John Kerry, among others in the Senate throughout the late 1980s. To uh, conceal the greatest crimes of the era, crimes committed by a litany of well-known government operatives. And obviously we know John Kerry would later go on to become the Democratic nominee for president in 2004, and then under uh, Obama became Secretary of State. And now he's what, the climate czar or whatever? And this is a guy... And this, and I'm going to kind of segue off onto a, a little, just just something here, real quick. So John Kerry. Now, if you don't know who he is, his wife is—I don't know her first name, but her last name's Hines. Okay, as in you know ketchup. Okay, rich. He's rich. His family's rich. Okay, so <laughs> it brought me to a to a point where I, I started looking up presidents' wealth prior to. And post, and I'm not going to go through all you know 46 presidents. I'm not going to do that because we don't have that kind of time, and who gives a shit? But let's just go through the past couple, okay? So Donald Trump, are you know? I mean, we're not going to talk about Biden because he's still currently president. I think, oddly enough, I do think I saw where he said, and, and, and like I said, I don't know how factual this is, so we can speculate, but whatever, that his net worth is around 20 million dollars. Now, this is a person, I'm talking about Biden, this is a person for 47 years has been a public servant. He was in Congress, I think, for one term, was a senator for, you know, 20 terms, however many terms he was a senator. Then he took a couple years off and became president. And the president aspect of all of those jobs is the, is the highest paying, and it's still only around $400,000 a year. So... How do you amass that kind of a fortune as a 40-some-odd-year public servant making $100,000, dollars $400,000 a year? It doesn't even add up to $20 million. And that's assuming you don't pay rent, pay mortgage, pay car payments, <laughs> or spend any of that money, right? So obviously, as a current president, and you have that amass that sort of wealth, you have to ask questions, and I guess that's where Hunter comes into place and... 
Ukraine and China and so on and so forth. But that's a show for another day. But you look at the last couple of presidents. So you had Trump. So prior to him becoming president, he had $3.5 billion. His net worth was three and a half. After becoming, After leaving the office, he is worth $2.3. So he lost a little over a billion dollars. Chump change, right? Now, I'll, take, I'll take a half a billion dollars, please. That's a lot of money to lose, right? Of course, now most anyone will tell you he was the most crooked president and he did this and he did that. If he did this and he did that and he was the most crooked president, he his three and a half before would have been five and a half after, not the other way around. Barack Obama before, 1.3 million before, after, $70 million. Now, this isn't current. This isn't like, oh, as of today, he's worth $70 million. This was after his presidency. George Bush, $20 million before, $40 million after. Bill Clinton, $1.3 million before, $241 million. He gained $240 million after being a president. Now, you can say, okay, well, that's probably from speaking engagements and da-da-da. Maybe. But tell me how many times have you seen a lot of these presidents doing speaking engagements that would garner them millions of dollars? And why would Clinton get $240 million, but Bush only get twenty, or Barack only get $69 million? I say only, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Why was his wealth so great? And how do presidents anyway... I mean, because... If you go through the slew of presidents, and and I and I'm not even talking about like George Bush and or not George Bush, but George Washington and them, but more presidents of this century, let's just say, there's a there's a lot of them that were modest income individuals and left and were still modest income individuals. There were some that left with less money than they started with, but there's a lot of them that left with a, a substantial amount more. And you have to wonder why, how or how, not so much why, but how. If I'm a millionaire, and, and I and I even question this about um, Trump when he was running for president, you're a billionaire, why the fuck do you want to be president? You know, I mean, he sold me on the whole, you know, I want to do what's right for this country. And you want to believe that, and then what makes me kind of still believe that is the fact that this dude lost a billion plus dollars during his time as president, but yet he's running again. You see what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, okay, well, maybe maybe he's legit. I don't know. Maybe he's not. I, I don't know. But I do know that you have plenty of other presidents, Republican and Democrat, that have left office a lot richer than they were prior to. And George Bush... You know, is another one. He was relatively rich prior to. I mean, he owned baseball teams. He was uh, he was governor. That's another question. Like I even questioned that about Rick Scott when he was governor of Florida. This dude's a friggin' millionaire. Owned pharmacy uh, pharmaceutical co- uh, companies. Why do you want to be a governor of a state? Why do you want to be president? Why do you want to be senator? Why? Like if I had that kind of money, dude, I'm not doing a damn thing. I'm just gonna chill. Anyway, so the Clintons collaborated with the Bushes and the CIA, made possible their rise to prominence. Their entry to the Washington was rewarded in 
the payoff for their fine service in Arkansas from the late 70s through the 90s was obviously what it was, right? So Kathy O'Brien, she's the author of Transformation of America, claims to have witnessed an overheard meeting as far back as the early 1980s in which George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton planned to pass the White House between the two of them and between their respective political clans, thereby maintaining the New World Order for the long term. Iran-Contra enterprise overseers, criminal uh, associates, and beneficiaries to this day remain at large, with most enjoying massively illegal obtained wealth, privilege, and highest political and corporate positions. The imperial positions of the Bush and Clinton clans exemplify this. You know, and it's interesting, you know, like there's a picture of Oliver North here. So he was involved in this whole situation. Um, he's on Fox News all the time on different different programs. And it's like you can't help but wonder what these people know. Like what does he know? He obviously knows something, right? But is it a situation where I know a lot? And there, I think there's a lot of people that are involved, and I'm not talking about Clintons per se, but... Um, the Oliver Norris, the Barry Seals, the Vince Fosters, these people. Is it a situation where you kind of have to kill somebody to, if there's a uh, hundred people involved, right? You, you run the risk of one of those people opening their mouth, obviously. So is it a situation where you maybe kill one or two of these people? Oh, oh look at there. Vince Foster hung himself while shooting himself in the mouth. Wow. Crazy. Y you get it? You know, oh, look at that. Barry Seal killed himself. Oh, wow. Get it? It's, it's, they're sending a message. We're going to have to get rid of some of our higher ranking officials to keep you guys shut up. You know, um, Oliver North was a colonel in the Marines, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so his, his political career, his, his, um, military career was ruined. Not saying he didn't have any fault in the situation. I'm not saying he was an innocent bystander. But I'm sure he's amassed some sort of wealth being a contributor on different news agencies. Probably in business. He's probably sitting on board somewhere. So he kept his mouth shut and he's being rewarded. The operation, in essence, involved and metastasized into even more modern and sophisticated incarceration with even more globe reach. New names, new banks, new drugs, new worms, wars, same blueprint. It is not a deep state or a shadow state, but a criminal state that operates in broad daylight. It is the playbook of the New World Order. It is globalization at its finest. The world is in flames. Corruption is rampant. The CIA is more powerful than ever. Terrorism, drugs, and weapons flow freely through more geostatic hotspots than ever. This is the golden age for drug trafficking. All of it can be traced back to the Iran-Contra, the Bushes, and the Clintons. The ultimate con that has been played on the world has been the illusion of the political system of political parties and democracy. In fact, the world is ruled by criminal apparatus disguised as a political system. This apparatus serves no purpose except the continuation of itself. 
It exists to protect and expand a vast racketeering operation that has enjoyed control and power for generations. The permanent criminal state, endless revolving doors, a smooth line of succession, generation after generation, passing power and profits as seamlessly as possible through this um, time of imperative. Hillary Clinton presidency would have ensured this. Every occupant since JFK has been a criminal insider, beginning with Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon, both of whom were likely involved with Kennedy's assassination and willing beneficiaries of the wars and crimes that followed. Um, I don't know about Nixon. I would say Lyndon Johnson had a little bit to do with it. Um, I still hold on to the fact that H.W. Bush was solely responsible for JFK's uh, murder. Poppy Bush, that's H.W., was the real power behind the Ronald Reagan administration. While the actor fronted it for him, uh, the Bush, from Bush himself, the charming and then unknown Clintons took on the role, which was passed back to George W. Bush and Dick Cheney, then back to so-called neoliberals, Obama, Clint, uh, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, John Kerry, and so on and so on. Now, I think it's become more evident nowadays than it was back during um, the Bush, and I'm not saying these weren't, but it's become more evident or more obvious, maybe even is a better word, that elections are rigged. Contestants, quote-unquote, are chosen based on propaganda purposes. Those deemed the most effective actor for any given period are chosen in advance. And I'm going to stop right here for a second because I'll say this, and this is why I claim about um, Trump. I would say it's a safe bet, especially especially in the past 40 years, that these presidents have been picked. And, and it's not even just presidents. It's, it's, a, it's a whole lot. But I think Reagan was a popular pick. He's an actor. He was there. Bush ran the show. Then Bush became president, and I think it's much in this situation where Bush stepped aside for the Clintons. Then you bring your son in, George W. Then you bring Obama. Now you bring Obama in because everyone was tired at that point of Clinton and Bush and Clinton, and you know they were just tired of that. Even though Hillary was running for president against Obama, she stepped aside with the promise of being Secretary of State. You know, she's still going to hold some sort of power. And um, in the meantime, Obama's still going to kind of be beholden to the Bush family. Uh, and Hillary's inside to make sure things run right. And then, like I said, in 2016, it was either supposed to be Jeb or Hillary. I would say it was probably supposed to be Hillary. But you had Jeb running as your backup just to be on the safe side. But in all honesty, when it came down to it, it should have been Bernie Sanders versus Trump. But here's another situation where Bernie Sanders stepped away. Right? Then when um, when Trump won, I think that really just threw him for a loop. And that's why we saw so much obvious fuckery in this last, last election with um, Trump and Biden. Because they were going to make sure that shit wasn't going to happen again. So the constant trick 
has to be to stack the deck with figures who are unified behind the most important New World Order agendas. Posing as opponents, George H.W. Bush versus Bill Clinton was a lie. George W. Bush versus John Kerry, both of which were members of Skull and Bones, was a lie. Barack Obama versus John McCain and Mitt Romney, the same. Those who were not fully on board, such as Al Gore, were dealt with and removed. This kind of clever and successful charade was what the Obama campaign was about in 08 and again in 12. But even the most fervent fervent and delusional Obama fans today know and feel that it was a fraud. There was no change. Obama, the um, obedient and malleable corporist, was given a limited puppet role. The New World Order was careful to place Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton in charge of foreign policy and right-wing Republican opposition to prevent any independent action on Obama's part. The 2007 financial uh, financial collapse by the outgoing Bush-Cheney administration and its banksters not secured major loot for the Bush syndicate, but ensured that Obama would be saddled with a weak economy. Despite the fact that Obama's administration have faithfully continued to expand the Bush-Cheney agenda, Obama has been abused by his Bush-Clinton handlers anyway. The Bush and Clintons are racist. The Clintons in particular hate the Obamas. And the Obama-Clinton working relationship has been frosty since uh, Hillary Clinton lost in 08 to Obama. The ideal plan for 2016 was to stack the deck again with another fake contestant, this time between Hillary Clinton and Jeb Bush. Unfortunately for the Bushes, Donald Trump is enormously popular in his campaign attacks on all three Bush plants, Jeb, Ted Cruz, and Marco Rubio, were effective. So tarnished is the Bush name as the public uh, product that Jeb was forced to withdraw his bid, despite huge elite backing, thus George H.W. Bush uh, throat-cut gesture aimed at Trump. This leaves Hillary Clinton, who has aggressively sought the world's highest public office her entire life. She is hell-bent on getting it. She is fully supported by all of the leading neocon fascists, the Saudi royal family, Netanyahu, the CIA, and Wall Street, and all its emperor, empires across um, overseas criminal partners. And so, and I think that leads you into 2024. You know, we, you know, uh, Trump has said he's running. So whatever, we don't know who else is running on the Republican side. And like I said uh, the other day, that's what worries me about uh, DeSantis. Is he falling into this trap of the deep state? I don't know. But I would say it's safe to bet that Clinton runs again, Hillary. I, I guarantee you. So what even knowledgeable outsiders observe might perceive about the Bush and Clintons, the truth is more bu- brutal. This brutality is the threat that Bush endorsed Hillary Clinton White House promises. Yeah, so you got to think about it. In 2016, she was actually backed by the Bushes. That's how much hatred they had for Trump and how much distrust they had for him, that he wasn't going to follow their agenda. Leading members of the criminal state are genuine psychopaths and sociopaths. 
their violence and perversion is not simply private dirty laundry, but sickness that manifests in public action with worldwide impact. So Kathy O'Brien, author of Transformation of America, is another whistleblower who has spoken out about her unfortunate personal experiences with the CIA, the Bushes, and the Clintons in Mena. O'Brien, who continues to speak out about her experiences in CIA psychological operations, was allegedly rescued by former CIA operative Mark Phillips. It is not known if Phillips remains her handler, but if her story is being used as a limited hangout. Barbara Hartwell has also exposed the same criminality and more from the perspective of a former CIA operative of rank. <clears throat> Whistleblower Stu Webb has fought the Bush-Clinton machine for decades, and his work helped break um, the SNL, HUD, and Denver airport scandals and major aspects of the Iran-Contra deal. I, I mean, and it's safe to say that Hillary Clinton is a wolf in wolf's clothing. I mean, she's pretty; <laughs> she doesn't hide it very well. And uh, she's not progressive by any stretch of imagination, but a neocon war criminal. Now, those those phrases were usually set aside for members of the right, whether they're uh, governor, uh, presidents or senators, whatever. That's the the war, neocon, war, hungry, blah, blah, blah. Those type of people were generally labeled as your right-wing people, your, your Republicans. But it's, I don't think it has anything to do with Republican or Democrat. It's just the type of person you are. There's plenty of Democrats that don't want to go to war, but there's plenty that do. And same thing on the Republican side. Her closest allies and friends are Henry Kissinger, John McCain, or was, the Bushes with Daddy Bush as her godfather. Contrary to her manufactured image, she is not a populist liberal and is the opposite of motherly or sisterly figure who cares about children and the disadvantaged or the poor. She is a racist and a pathological liar. One can make a strong argument that she, not Bill, has been the criminal brains of the Clinton apparatus. And that's what I was saying earlier. It's very possible that a lot of this is her doing. And Clinton's just like, hey man, let's do it. Let's smoke some weed. The entire Clinton image is a lie. One of the countless frauds played on the American masses. Former Clinton insiders such as Larry Nichols attest to it. Hillary Clinton's mental instability anger are well known to those who have worked in the Clinton administration in Arkansas as well as in the White House. And in more recent tenures as New York Senator and Secretary of State. These include former Secret Service agent Gary uh, Byrne and many others. Following her criminal CIA activities in Arkansas to her co-management of the Clinton White House tenure, Hillary became New York Senator. As Senator, she facilitated the Bush New World Order agenda faithfully. Hillary Clinton supported Bush Cheney's Patriot Act and the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. And that's, that's another interesting thing. She became Senator of New York. Now this is a person who I, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure she was born in Illinois, Chicago area, maybe Illinois. Married, you know, went to went to school, you know, Yale and different places. Been in Washington. Married the, you know, good old boy Bill Clinton from Arkansas. 
And if you recall, back then, she had her little twang going on. I'm just a country girl. Do, 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 you know, stand by your man. Remember all that? To New York. To be senator of New York. To be, you know what I'm saying? It's like, these people, they're so power hungry, they'll bounce around. But if you recall, who else was running for senator against her? They're both Democrats. And he was running against her. And that was JFK Jr. So do you recall what happened during the course of their their uh, battle for a senator? JFK's plane crashed. Now, is that just bad timing? Maybe. Or is it another situation where you add another one to the, bo- uh, to the Clinton body count? After a failed 2008 presidential bid that exposed her viciousness, Hillary Clinton joined the team of Bush New World Order figures who served as handlers of a frontman puppet Obama, as suggested by probes into Clinton's emails and evidence from WikiLeaks. The Hillary Clinton State Department ran foreign policy as its own shadow government apparatus, likely beyond the control of the Obama, of not the Obama, but of Obama. <laughs> and engaged in illegal activities over all objections from the Obama faction. The discussion about whether or not Clinton followed a correct security procedure is the red herring and distraction. Hillary Clinton ran her own foreign, a secret foreign policy cell with her own communications network. The Clinton Foundation is a criminal apparatus, a classic secret call that exemplifies the kind of activity upon which the Clintons and Bushes thrive. Its business includes CIA black ops, the funding of terrorists, the destabilization of nations, war provocations, extrajudicial political assassinations, uh, currency fraud, and money laundering and treason. Hillary Clinton has been a leading force in the creation and funding of ISIS having enthusiastically set loose the CIA, Al-Qaeda in Libya and the Islamic State across the Middle East and into Syria. She is set to... Um, well, she she had delivered Syria to jihadists. You know, her, her point... One of the things she wanted to do when she, if she had become president was to give the, the country of Syria to the jihads if elected. She took particular relish in topping Libya and the torture of murder of the torture and murder of Gaddafi. She laughed sadistically when asked about the killing. We came, we saw, he died. Clinton CIA Benghazi operative was directly out of the Iran Contra playbook. A covert arms deal funneling weapons to vetted anti Assad Syrian terrorist groups and Al Qaeda. Terrorist, arms, dead people, cover-up, treason, Hillary Clinton says. What difference does it make? That was during her testimony. And uh, so it was Hillary Clinton whose actions helped install a puppet government uh, integrated by neo-Nazis in Ukraine towards a full-blown war with Russia. The vicious Assistant Secretary of State, Victoria Nuland, has played a key role in these crimes. Newland is likely to be tapped for a cabinet position in Hillary Clinton. If, if she was tapped to be uh, in the cabinet under Hillary Clinton, if she had won. Um, 
So essentially, we're talking uh, neo-Nazis in Ukraine. Now, this was back in uh, 2015, 14, 15, 16, somewhere around there. And uh, so who was the the president? Uh, uh, fuck, I can't think of his name. Orbach or whatever. Um, and then he was taken out. And then they put in Zelensky. So Hillary Clinton famously claimed that she is under attack from a vast right-wing conspiracy. In truth, Hillary Clinton is a right-wing conspiracy. The New World Order insists on a Hillary Clinton presidency. Um, they're desperate. She has reveled and among disliked. Um, she is even disliked among Democrats. Even actress Susan Sarandon has given up on her. Clinton and the Democratic National Committee destroyed the Bernie Sanders campaign with blatant fraud. The Clinton campaign was is rigged or was rigged and scripted propaganda played for the camera. Entire fake videos of supposed campaign rallies and even green screen fakery. Paid seat fillers to fill empty venues to create an appearance of a huge crowd. Use of electric car transceivers to help cheat during debates. Oh, I'm sorry, ear transceivers. Uh, lies about Russian hacking and other forms of interference. Every dirty trick imaginable. And elaborate cover-up continues to attempt to deny the fact that Clinton has been gravely ill for many, gravely ill for many years, likely suffering from neuro, uh, neuro, neurological damage, possibly Parkinson's disease. That's you know a, a speculation, and a host of other problems. She is escorted by the Secret Service handler. So you recall the the coughing fits, her being helped into a van because she like seizes up and it was like oh no no nothing's wrong nothing's wrong she's fine so the <laughs> if if something were to have happened to her or if she becomes president in 24 you know they'll just replace her with another neocon. That's why Tim Kaine was her running mate. That's He's one of those people. Um, you know, they replaced her this, or, you know, this go around with Joe Biden because he was more likable. The silencing and suspected murder of current and former insiders, whistleblowers, and investigators continue to add up, stretching back to the 90s, which is top in uh, notoriety by mysterious murder of Clinton insider Fence Foster during the Bill Clinton presidency. Um, even more recently, in the last few years, you've had people like Seth Rich, Joe Montano, Sean Lucas, John Ash, each died under suspe suspicious circumstances. Each possessed information exposing criminal activities of Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation, and the Democratic National Committee. So, we're just about in an hour. So, I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and put a lid on it for today. And this is Wednesday, uh, December 21st. And the reason I'm trying to keep it in an hour, I got, I got some more stuff here to talk about. So, that we'll, we'll jump to a part three on Friday. Um, so, just uh, stick with me. Stick with me. It's getting good. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll circle back to these names I just read. And... Uh, and this article is a few years old, so we'll circle back to these names and see if there's any names since then. 
and what those people may have known about Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton. And uh, it'd be interesting to see the timeline of people that died in the late 70s, early 80s to mid 80s, just out of curiosity and what their connections to all this were. So, with that being said, guys, please make sure you go to our social media profiles. Don't Tread on America on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And like I said, on the Ticker Talker, we just do drinks. Nothing political, nothing, you know, we just have some fun. And on that note, if you have any drink ideas, send them that way um, through that app. And uh, give us some ideas, you know, we'll make some drinks. Follow us on Twitter at DTOM underscore 1775. If you want to follow me, it's PCGC underscore 1775. And don't forget about our website, DontTreadOnAmerica.com. So check us out in all those places. If you want to reach out, if you have any questions, any any ideas, any uh, anything you want us to research, anything you have a thought about, um, we have, like I said, we have a guy from uh, from Europe. He's from Spain, and he's been sending me a lot of stuff, which I'm trying to compile more stuff. We'll probably get into some more Kazarian Mafia stuff in the first of the year. Um, and this is stuff out of Europe, so it'll be interesting. Um, so just stick with me. We'll get through part three. That should wrap it up. And then uh, come after Christmas, we'll dive into some more stuff. And, of course, Friday could also be a toss-up. If something happens in the next couple of days and, and there's something we have to talk about, then maybe I'll push part three till, till next week, but we'll see. So anyway, with that being said, guys, thanks for listening. Please make sure you're sharing this with your friends. And like I said, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now so you can uh, catch alerts when I start my little pop-up series of uh, Get Off My Grass, Get Off My Lawn series. Um, I want you to know that they're there. And it won't be long. They'll probably be a little 10, 15 minute, 20 minutes, you know, two hours, whatever, <laughs> ranting about whatever is on my mind. So... Uh, just subscribe, check us out, share this with your friends. And uh, with that being said, guys, bundle up. It's going to get cold. Today's the first day of winter, and it's coming. So with that being said, you guys have a great day. If, if, you, if I don't hear from you again, have a great Christmas. And uh, like I said, tune in on Friday, and then uh, just let's keep this train rolling into next year. With that being said, guys, you have a great day, and I'll talk to you again on Friday.